Welcome to this God-inspired message from Shofar Christian Church. Enjoy today's message. May you experience the presence of our Father and may you grow deeper in your relationship with Him. It's really a privilege to have all of us here. And uh, especially, you know, with the topic that we're going to speak about tonight, I'm really excited about this continuing with part four of a little sermon series that I've been busy with the last while called In the Vicinity of My Calling. Today we're going to look at part four. And what's so special for me is, you know, as we've went through this, we looked at part number one, just affirming again what Liesl said. You know, whenever we find ourselves in this place where we are kind of around God, we're not quite sure where exactly you know what is God saying to me how does it actually feel to experience his presence you know in the culture that we've been raised in you know most people in South Africa have been raised in traditional homes traditional schools maybe you know where we've heard something about Jesus and the story is familiar to us but many times the presence of God not I understand the story but I don't understand the reality of who Jesus is you know, others of us have come to times in our lives where we've really experienced God, we've, we, we've we surrendered to Him, and then we've got a bit distracted along the way, you know, and we find ourselves in a place of passivity where other people have maybe come and shared an input, some input into our lives that has led us astray or caused that flame for God to burn down. And when we look at Scripture, the opposite is supposed to happen. The more we follow God, the more in all we are supposed to stand of Him. The greater the revelation of God, the greater the joy. As God comes and He just you know, shows Himself to us again and again. And one thing for me that just blows my mind away is that every single time when I fail, you know, when we get to that point like Liesl said, you know, that I have to do something to experience God's goodness or I have to you know, show God that I have what it takes. And I fail and I fall and I feel like a disappointment. In that place, God comes again and again and again and just picks me up. And every time I'm just like, Lord again and as God comes and picks us up every time as he comes and empowers us every time and leads us every time our love for God just grows as we see who he is for us in the midst of not being able to give anything of worth back to him you know there's this Afrikaans song it says bring your leafel under bring your empty dirty hands that's all we can bring to God and he washes it clean and he comes and renews that again and in this sermon series that we've been busy with, that is the first call. That is where it all starts, of Jesus calling people to himself. And that call will be there each and every day. Come to me. And as we encounter Jesus, we will be confronted with certain things in our lives that maybe challenge us our love for him. What do we love more? What do we desire more? What do we want to follow more? What is more worthy? Like the rich young man. And when those things are challenged God calls us to look to him to grow in our love to him and out of that place be obedient and the more our obedience grows out of love the more revelation of God grows as he comes and abides with us and last week we looked at you know what is it that God wants to form in us when we sit at his feet when we have you know accepted the call to come to him and remain with him to know him and we looked at character now before God sends us out on a mission he wants to come and impart character into our lives. And our character doesn't look like the way the world portrays character. It's not a self-confidence. It's not a self-reliance. 
It's not this warrior mode that we go into, but it's in humility knowing that unless God does something through me, I'm not able to do it. Unless God comes and lifts me up, I won't make it. But He's the one that comes. For God, character is being the first one to say sorry when you are wrong. To have compassion on people. To be gentle, to be kind, to be humble. To live a life of meekness. That is character. And God says on those people, I will pour out my authority and my anointing and I will send them out. And we've seen in today's time that a lot of people are hurt because people that go out and proclaim the message of Jesus don't have the character of Christ. And the message and the people coming to them doesn't quite line up. And we get offended and there's a lot of hurt and we will get it wrong also. We will, we will miss the mark regularly. But God is still faithful and He comes and He does His work. And the reason why tonight's so special for me, part number four, we're going to look at what is the things that form us? What is it that builds that character? What is it that shapes and forms us? It's not going to be some crazy revelation. It's something that we all understand and that we know, you know, as we'll go through this. And I want us with open hearts to consider when we go through these points, how intentionally are you allowing these things to shape you? How intentional are you? Because that will be the determining factor. And the things that shape us is when the people of God come together under the word of God, guided by the spirit of God. When those things are present, God's people grow. Discipleship happens. Sanctification happens. We begin to look more like Jesus. If we are intentional to allow these things to shape us. So let's read together on the board. Mark chapter 3 from verse 13 to 15. The same passage that we've been busy with the last couple of weeks. And it says, And he, speaking about Jesus, went up on the mountain and called to him those whom he desired. And they came to him. There's that first, just coming to Jesus when he calls. Verse 14, and he appointed 12, and he also named apostles. And that's not so that they can have some fancy special name. When Jesus gives us a title, it's to show the function of what we are supposed to do. Apostle means sent one. Not special one, just sent one. They will be sent out by Jesus. So that they might be with him. That's the reason he called them. So that he might send them out to preach and have authority to cast out demons. And there we see, you know, these things are happening. And we ask the question, you know, what is it that happens at the being with Jesus that shapes us and that empowers us so that he can send us out? And like we said, you know, when you hear the call of Jesus to come to him, and when you are with him and you say, yes, Lord, I heed the call to lay down my life, to pick up my cross and to follow you. And as you are following Jesus, you realize you're not alone. There's other people around you. That also follow Jesus, that also said yes to the call, that sitting in his presence and hearing the words of God as he transforms us. Now, when Jesus went up and sat at the right hand of the Father and gave us his spirit, it's the Holy Spirit, it's the presence of God, the Word of God being the Bible, and the people of God being his church. And when those three things come together, we are disciples. Now, you might ask yourself, okay, but what if I don't want to? What if I don't want myself to be formed by these things? You know, can I kind of distance myself now here's the key when it comes to these three elements it will inevitably shape you but you can choose what people what words and what spirit forms you but those three things will shape you the reason why you're sitting here and you have a worldview a worldview is the way you look at the world the reason you do what you do believe what you believe say the things you say and act the way you act that is a worldview and it's because of people 
have said certain things led by certain spirits. And that is why you are what you are. Believe what you believe. Act the way you act. Yes, God made us unique, but those things influence us. And many times I speak to my mother-in-law and we have all, all kinds of strange and wonderful conversations. And when it comes to the point, okay, but mom, why do you do that? Or why do you believe that? She will say the following, we were raised that way. Makes sense. There were people in her life when she grew up that said certain things to her that she believed. And when it comes to the weird part for us, Western culture, it's when it comes to the spirit being behind it. It was led by a certain spirit. You know, many times we think if we leave the spiritual realm alone, they'll leave us alone. It's not kind of how it works. And many times that type of thinking allows us to be so disconnected from the real battle going on. We fight everyone we're not supposed to fight. Scripture says we don't battle against flesh and blood. What's going on in the world? A battle against flesh and blood, and we don't realize the spiritual applications around it. And maybe in a couple of weeks, we look at that last verse, and he gave us authority to cast out demons. Jesus says to the disciples, I give you authority over all the power of the enemy, and we'll look at that. How is the enemy present in our world? What's the influence that he has? How does our authority look? How does it happen? You know, because Peter, when he writes to the church, it's not on the board, but you can go and read it. He says to the church, you know, I just want you to be aware. Now, in those days, they walked everywhere. They didn't have cars. Maybe if you're a lucky guy, you have a donkey or a horse, maybe a chariot, but that's how fight gets. But you're walking somewhere constantly. And Paul gives them this, Peter gives them this picture to think about. He says, you, I want you to be aware. Your enemy, the devil, walks around like a prowling lion, seeking people to devour. Now imagine I, I tell you guys now, you're going to go out to your cars, just what out there's a lion somewhere here, but enjoy. The walk will look a bit different. You'll be aware. It's not to focus our attention on the enemy. It's not to you know, look to, to everything that he's busy doing or not doing. We fix our eyes on Jesus, but we are aware of the enemy walking around us. And we'll look at that. But these three things will shape you. You know, even anti-shaping that happens sometimes. You hear certain people say certain words or the way that they act and you're actually repulsed by it. You know, no, I don't like the way those people act and I don't like the teaching that they teach people. I definitely don't want to do that. You kind of have a, a counter effect, but inevitably it's still shaping you. And we read in Scripture in the following passage, 1 Timothy 4 verse 1 and 2 Corinthians 11 verse 4. It says the following, and look how these three elements again comes into play whenever it speaks about shaping people it says now the holy spirit tells us clearly that in the last time some will turn away from the true faith now there you have that three elements again the holy spirit speaking to the people of god about the word of god true faith the gospel the words and works of jesus christ and some will turn away from it why they will follow deceptive spirits and teachings that come from demons it's the word of God that's saying this. And then in verse 2, it's not on the screen, but it says, These people are hypocrites and their conscience are dead. These people, different people coming with different words, led by a different spirit. 2 Corinthians 11 verse 4, also in the context, verse 3, Paul says to them, He's afraid that as the serpent deceived Eve, someone is going to come and lead them away from a pure and sincere devotion to Christ. And then it says, For if someone, if some people comes... 
and proclaims another Jesus than the one we proclaimed, or if you receive a different spirit from the one you've received, or if you accept a different gospel from the one you accept, that you put up with it readily enough. If different people come led by a different spirit with different words, you believe it too easily. You know, we might think to ourselves, okay, but not us. We've, we've grown up in you know, traditional homes maybe. We, we're familiar with the people of God. We're in the vicinity again. Now and then we, we're around God's people. We understand something of the gospel. You know? I won't say that I'm grounded in the word of God. But I understand it. I'm, I'm in the vicinity of, of the gospel. I've experienced the Holy Spirit leading here and there in my life. I wouldn't say you know, that I'm being led by the Holy Spirit every day. But I think I'm okay. But then Paul says to the Colossians, also not on the board, Colossians 2 verse 23. He says these people, you know, speaking about the false teachers, their teaching has an appearance of wisdom. That's the problem. It's not something that we all go, oh no, that's, that's a bunch of nonsense. They're not trying to sell, you know, wooden briars where, where you know that that doesn't work, for, for example. But the teaching has an appearance of wisdom. It seems as if this can be true. And nowhere has it been clearly seen that the time that we're living in now, information so readily available, we can go and Google all sorts of things. Now the one guy says, in 10 years we're going to say, we can't believe we let pregnant women use the internet. What were we thinking? Googling and then they're afraid about everything because someone said this and this and this is going to happen. And in this lockdown period as well, my wife, she gets a voice note or a, a video that someone sends through again and she just sighs like, oh. like what's wrong? She says, now this, this person has gone through like four different views of what's going on in the last two days. And there's again, you know, this hour long voice note about what's actually going on. Then 5G is killing everybody. Then it's the coronavirus. Then Japan is making war with the whole world. Or the Chinese are establishing World War 14. Then the enemy wants everyone to have the mark of the beast. What's going on? The people are just going from one place to another, believing one thing or another. And they're not sure what's going on because they're not grounded in Scripture. Gathered with God's people and guided by Spirit. Not sure what's going on. In Ephesians 4 verse 14, it speaks about the people of God being built up. Building one another up, knitted together with the Spirit, with the words of Christ. And it says, when we are built up, we will no longer be like children tossed to and fro and driven about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunningness. We won't believe every second thing we hear. But until we are built up, we will be like those people, driven from side to side, believing this thing and then another. Why do you believe what you believe? So let's go to people firstly. Like we see, Scripture is not giving us an option to maybe be formed by these things or not. You will be formed and shaped by these three things. Everything was formed that way, if you think about it. God, the Trinity, three persons of the Trinity, as the Holy Spirit hovers over the face of the dead. God spoke His Word and the Holy Spirit created. That's how everything existed. The Trinity creating everything through the spoken word and the Spirit of God. That's how everything exists that exists now. So let's go to people. Proverbs 27 verse 17. It's a verse we all know well or maybe have heard somewhere. Iron sharpens iron. And one man sharpens another. Something that we understand. You know, it's not something that, no, I don't believe that. We understand that the people that we surround ourselves with, 
with will have an influence on us and will shape us inevitably. Then it says in Ephesians 4 verse 12, it says that God gave the fivefold ministry in verse 11 to equip the saints for the work of ministry. That is all of us. What is the work of ministry? For building up the body of Christ. It's actually a command that we are given to build one another up, to establish one another with truth. It's a command that God gives us. You know, and we understand this principle. And what I love about the Afrikaans translation is it says that iron sharpens iron and so one friend sharpens and forms another. What is a friend? It's someone that has more time, more intentional. You know, we, we say, allow people to speak into your life. You know, it's these people that are allowed to speak into my life, to view certain areas of my life. And the more intentional I am with certain people, the more they shape for me makes sense you know we, we understand this principle the same is true of God the more we draw near to God the more we allow him to come into every area of our life the more he shapes and forms us into the image of his son we understand this so we can't choose if people will shape us but we can choose which people will shape us takes us to point number one in the vicinity of my calling allow believers to form you. Allow believers to form you. Allow believers to shape you. Allow people that understand the message of Scripture that is guided by the Spirit to shape you. Now, the body of Christ, that is how we are to interact with one another. That is God's idea. It's not something that might, could, maybe work. God established it this way, and He said, This is how you will be shaped. You will be shaped by people, and please be shaped by believers. You know, many times we, we look at this and we're like, oh no, do we really have to? I've been hurt so many times, been disappointed. Will we hurt one another? Yes. Will we disappoint one another? Yes. There will be a need for forgiveness, but here's the great thing. Even in the disappointment, even in the hurt, God gives you the opportunity to grow and become more like Jesus. And we don't want to see it like that because we kind of, angry with this person right now, but even that is an opportunity to grow. Dietrich Bonhoeffer said that the Christians should smash to pieces and throw away the idea of fellowship, of what it means as a church to come together. It's not always going to be all of these people that's so filled with love and joy and never does anything wrong. In fact, God says, forgive one another. What does that imply? We're going to hurt one another. God is implying this will not be perfect. Most of the, you know, one another commands that God gives us is based upon a broken community. Forgive one another. Build up one another. Bear with one another. There's certain people that you're just going to have to bear with. Not going to be enjoyed at all. You're just going to bear with these people. Build up one another. Bear one another's burdens. Encourage one another to love in good works. Meaning that people don't want to love. They don't want to do good works. They will need to be forgiven. They will need to be built up. All of those commands are based on a broken community. Interesting when we think about it that way. And for God saying, you know, to make sure that that character gets established, He's saying that you nevertheless will have to do it with this people. You will have to humble yourself. You will have to allow these people to speak into your life. You will have to forgive them. You will have to care for them. And there will come a time when they will need to forgive you. But unless you do it with them, it's not going to happen. The gifts that we carry, we need one another's gifts. God says we are body. 
can't just walk around there all feet alone, you know, flapping around on the ground. You need the rest of the body to be with you. And I want to ask us a question tonight. Who are you allowing to form you? Who are you allowing to shape you, to speak into your life intentionally? Who are those people that you turn to for advice? I'm not saying that everybody should know everything now about your life. Now Jesus had the 120 disciples, the 72, then he had the 12. So hopefully that's your small group. The people that have a little bit more intentional input into your life than those around you. Then Jesus also had three in his inner circle. Peter, James, and John. These three guys saw stuff that the other disciples didn't see. The Mount of Transfiguration, these three went with Jesus. When he went and cried, full of anxiety in the Garden of Gethsemane, praying to the Father, Lord, remove this cup from me. It was those three disciples that went with Jesus. Who are those three people in your life? And are they grounded in the Word and guided by the Spirit? Or do they give you strange advice when you turn to them? Like, for example, if you and your wife are in an argument or you're fighting and you ask one of your friends, what should you do? And his answer is, get a new one. Then that's kind of not the guy. That's the people that should not be then the three that are allowed to shape and to form you. I see some people laughing at the back, but I won't say it was you guys. Alvin? Oh, sorry. I slipped out. I'm just making a joke. Then the question, okay, but how do we build up one another? It's when we are guided by the Spirit and grounded in the Word. We read in 2 Timothy 3, verse 16 to 17. And in this chapter, you know, Paul is explaining the condition of the world in the last days, the days that we are living in now. You know, saying that people will be disobedient to their parents. You know, that's one of the things listed in there. It makes me laugh because it's just so evident. Back then, if you disobeyed your parents, they would throw you of stones. We would not have had a fun time in our day. But he said people will be lovers of self. They'll be lovers of passions rather than lovers of God. They will go on from bad to worse. But then Paul says, you have been acquainted with the sacred writings from childhood. In verse, in verse 15. It's able to make you wise for salvation in Christ. And then he goes on in verse 16 and 17. And he says, all scripture, the word of God. It's breathed out by God. It's profitable for teaching. It's able to ground you in the truth so that people will not be able to lead you astray. For reproof, for correction, when I see that there's something in my life out of line with the message of the gospel, the word of God is able to correct that in my life if I'm willing to surrender to its authority. And For training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. For every good work, speaking about calling here. What has God called you to do? Where will He shape and form you? In His Word. For every good work, every area of your life, every single thing that He has called you to do, the Word of God will be able to guide you in that. The last time we looked at Colossians 3, it's not on the screens. Speaking about that character that God wants to come and build into us, that humility, that kindness, that compassion for people around us. In verse 16 it says, this is how it's happened. When we allow the Word of God to dwell in us richly, teaching and admonishing one another with all wisdom, singing spiritual songs to God. That is what's supposed to happen here when the people of God come together. But we build up one another. We establish one another with the word of God. That is how it happens. Now, the church is supposed to be a carrier and a protector of the truth as we carry it out into the world. 
And the next chapter says, you know, in the last days, people will not listen to the truth. We find ourselves in times where truth is relevant. Your truth can be your truth. My truth can be my truth. But let's just not you know, debate with one another about it. And we are called to relentlessly go and take the truth into the world. We will look at that next week. God says the, the harvest is ready. People are willing and open to accept the good news of the gospel. We should just go out. And many times that's not our perception. You know, we think it's difficult. People don't want to hear. People don't want to listen. God says, no, it's the other way around. There's a harvest out there. When we intentionally and continuously just go out, we will see the fruit of that. The takes us to point number two. In the vicinity of my calling, point number one, allow believers to form you. Point number two, allow the word to form you. Allow the word of God to shape you. And again, I say allow because you have to give into it. You have to allow God to come and shape you through these things. And in 2 Timothy 2, Paul uses this example of a house. It's not on the screens, but you can go and read it at home as well. It's a great house. He says this, many utensils in this house, some from honorable use. God really wants to use these things for great purpose, to really glorify his name. And some for dishonorable use. Some of these vessels are made of gold and others of wood. And then he says, whoever cleanses himself of unrighteousness, whoever cleanses himself of worldly thinking, Whoever allows himself to be shaped by these things will be ready for the master of the house for every good work. What equips us the word of God to be ready for? Every good work. But we need to allow ourselves to, to, to allow these things to come and shape us. In James 1, the word of God is likened to a mirror. When we go and look at this mirror and we see things in our lives that are not supposed to be there, that's not in line with the message of the gospel, then we have two options. Either ignore them, and when we walk away, we become deceived, we forget who we really are, we think we are people that we're not. That's why we get so many people that actually believe that they are Christians. I was there for a long time in my life because I was confronted with the message of the gospel, but I didn't apply it in my life, and I began to become deceived. The words that I hear and the message that my life proclaims is not the same. But I think it was. And we get deceived. But God says if we look into that mirror and we see where we are out of line. And we look to Jesus and we allow him to come and establish love in our heart and obey him. You'll be ready for every good work. And now we're going to look at the third person that shapes us. That is the Holy Spirit. Believers, people, the word of God. That is Jesus, a person. And now the Holy Spirit. 2 Corinthians 3 verse 18. And look again. Beautifully, these three things coming together. And we all, who's that we all? The believers, the body of Christ, with unveiled faces, beholding the glory of the Lord. What is the glory of God? Where do we see it? In Scripture. It says in the next chapter that it is the light of the gospel and the glory of Jesus. That's where we see it in the, in the Word of God. Are being transformed into the same image. We are being transformed into that image of Jesus from one degree of glory to another. This comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. And God is saying, you know, He wants to come and do this work in us. He wants to come and transform us. The Lord who is the Spirit wants to come and transform our lives. If we would just be intentional in giving ourselves to the body of Christ, giving ourselves to the Word of God. Now, Scripture actually says without the Holy Spirit, we cannot understand the Word of God correctly. And 1 Corinthians 2 is a 
piece of scripture. It's also not on the board, but you can go and read it in verse 9. I think some of us might have heard this. It says, No eye has seen, no ear has heard the things that God has prepared for those who love them. And we think, oh, that's great. So we don't know what's waiting for us in heaven. But verse 10 says, These things God has revealed to us through His Spirit. The Spirit searches everything, even the deep things of God. Who knows the spirit of a man, the thoughts of a man, except the spirit of a man that dwells in him? So the Spirit of God knows the thoughts of God. And we have received not the Spirit of this world, but the Spirit of God, that we might freely know the things given us by God. Then Paul says we don't teach it with human wisdom because it's spiritually discerned. The natural man does not understand them. How do we receive the Spirit of God? God says when you obey me, when you give your life to me, when you surrender, then God comes and He anoints us with His Spirit to come and be with us. He comes and shows Himself to us. And if you're wondering where that first step starts for each and every single believer as we give our lives to Jesus, or the other words, be baptized. And that is why Peter actually said to the early church, repent of your sins, be baptized, and you will receive the Holy Spirit. He's actually saying to them, repent of your sins, obey God, and you will receive the Holy Spirit. Because the first step to take, the first command that you will get is be baptized. It's not baptism that gives the Holy Spirit to us, but it's obedience to God. Where God says He will come and abide with us. Gives the Spirit to those who obey Him. Takes us to point number three. In the vicinity of my calling. Point number one, allow believers to form you. Point number two, allow the Word to form you. And point number three, allow the Holy Spirit to form you. Again, allow. For 20 years of my life, I was in the vicinity. I was around Christians that sat under the Word of God that was led by the Spirit of God, but I was never changed. And that's the problem with a Sunday religion. If I only allow for an hour to go and sit at a place to shape me and I wonder why am I not looking like Jesus, it's because the rest of the week, different people with different words led by a different spirit has a great impartation in your life. You're more honest with them. You're more open with them. You're more intentional with them than you are with God's people, God's Word, and God's Spirit. To open yourself up and we wonder why. Why, Lord? Why don't you look like Jesus? It says, because what you're continually looking at and watching is not led by my Spirit. It's not healthy for us to, to engage with those things. But God's Word, God's people, God's Spirit. Those are the things that come and form us. And we're going to break up into little groups. So I want us to chat about something very, it's going to be difficult for us, and I'm just making a joke. So what I want us to speak about is just when it comes to these three things, God's people, God's word, and God's spirit, how intentional are you in allowing these things to form you? How intentional are you pursuing God? How, many time, how, how much time are you spending in God's word? And how actively are you asking the Holy Spirit to come and lead you daily? Come and show me God. Like Lisa said, God says, draw near to me and I will draw near to you. If we pray for that leading, the leading will come. Many times we just don't want to hear what God wants to say. Because He wants to come and prune some areas of our lives. To get out, rid of the bad things before He can come and establish the good things. But how intentional are you? So I'm going to pray for us and then we can break into groups of whoever you are comfortable with.
turning towards one another and just speaking about those three things. On Zoom, you will be added into little breakout rooms. You'll have more time than us, so really enjoy the breakout rooms. And don't leave, don't disengage from the breakout room because there these three elements come together. You are going to be with God's people now, discussing God's word, hopefully led by God's spirit. That's where transformation comes. And if you leave, just don't ask tomorrow why there's no formation or shaping that takes place. So let me pray for us, and then we can do it. Yes, Lord, thank you, Father. Thank you that you are good, Lord. And yes, Father, I just sense, Lord, that you also just want to come and say to, to hearts tonight, stop trying to change by yourself. We have this mentality and this lie from the enemy that we need to do certain things, that we need to act a certain way before God will accept us. And he's saying, I will accept you just as you are. And if you're just intentional, if you just allow my word to shape you, if you're just intentional in really spending time with my people, my body, my children, and allow my spirit to lead you, I will come and bring the transformation. It's not something that you're going to have to try hard to do. Just be intentional in pressing in. Spend time with my people, in my word, guided by my spirit. And you will grow. I will come and do that work, Lord. And I just pray, Father, for people carrying that burden, Lord, of continuously trying to impress you, Lord, this works-driven thing. And every time we fail, we feel like we can't draw near, Lord, because you will be so disappointed. And you will say, no, we don't measure up, Lord. But the truth is, we don't. That's why Jesus came. So that we can enter boldly to the throne of grace. Not because of our works, Lord, but because of Jesus. And when we see that, Lord, all we can do is say, thank you, Lord, and grow in love towards you. What a God we serve. What a good shepherd continuously coming just to pick us up, Lord. Coming after us and coming finding us, Lord, every time we go astray. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for your goodness. I just pray, Holy Spirit, that you would lead the conversations in these groups are we about to discuss your word with your people in jesus name amen you can turn to one another and have that chat and on zoom please enjoy your breakout rooms